Good morning, everybody. Well, before we dive into God's Word together, we wanted to present gifts to all the dads. Special gift from the church, some frozen yogurt, gift cards. And so our teen ministry is going to come out, but I'd like to ask all the dads to stand. So you can enjoy some frozen yogurt on us. I'm your dad. I'm your father. Hey, Adam, he's in Kids Kingdom. All right. Did everybody get a gift card? Dads, everybody got one? All right, church. Let's give all the dads a round of applause. Thank you for all you do. I told Adam, I'm your father. Give me that card. Thank you. Well, it was amazing to hear Mark share about his dad. I remember that Whitney trip. You know, Mark didn't share, but Bruce and Michael and Mark and I actually saved some guy's life. There was this German guy who was training to be an alpine trail runner, and this was his first big feat. And so we met him on the summit of Mount Whitney, and I kid you not, all he had was like a little water bottle, and it was like one of the little crystal geyser water bottles that big that's that's all he had and he was stumbling around delirious on the summit totally out of water so we gave him water we gave him food we gave him supplies and then we had him go down with us and we had to grab him a few times because he was walking off the cliff so we saved his life you know which was a cool thing and then he made it to the top of the switchbacks got his second win and ran the rest of the way down the trail but so that was a cool experience too mark I told Mark, don't die when you are entrusted to my care because I could never look at your mom and dad again. So he was well behaved. Anyway, it's it's my first Father's Day as a papa. And I am absolutely loving it. Um, it's a lot of fun. You know, I did tell Michael and Lindsay after Hunter was born, I hope you don't have too many dietary regulations that I need to break as Papa. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I did give him a little frosting at a party. Just put my pinky in there. He loved it. So he just licked his lips for like five minutes. So we're going to have some great times together. Uh, This is his first Sunday in Kids Kingdom. So... uh, Uh, Yeah, Michael and Lindsay are fired up about that, Uh, which is awesome. But it's fun being a grandpa, and you get to spend that time together. We were able to watch him on Friday night, and I'm holding him, and he's a little chatterbox, and he just smiles the whole time. And so he'd look at me, 
and then I start going. And after a few minutes of that, he started doing the same thing. And we think he said his first words. We think it was Nana. I said, it may have been Dada. But it sounded pretty close to that. But, you know, it's just fun. Uh, People say, what's it like becoming a grandpa? I said, well, it's like becoming a dad, but it's different because it's generational. Uh, You know, it's, it's your kids having kids. There's something special about it. And my sermon today is called Continue the Legacy. And the idea for it actually came from Nathan and Ashley's rehearsal dinner. And they each were sharing about their bridal party. They shared about their family. And I remember when Nathan was sharing about his dad, uh, he said something that was really impacting. And I want to just tell you a little bit about the Lotane family that you may or may not know. But Nathan's older brother, Zach, is deaf. And they were living in Washington, D.C. Greg and Denise were disciples in the church out there when their children were born. And, you know, as Zach grew up and they figured out uh, that he was deaf, they were like, what what can we do? And right about that time, we were starting the deaf ministry in the San Fernando Valley, 1995. And in Burbank, there's a very special school called Tripod. And Tripod is part of the Burbank School District, but it's, it's the only school of its kind in the entire U.S. And hearing and deaf kids are taught first in ASL. And so they learn sign language. That's the first language. And so they said, hey, we're going to move out across country. Greg had a very established career in property management. He had no job in Los Angeles, but they made a decision. We're going to move out here. We're going to help start the deaf ministry. Uh, We're going to just bring our family out here and see what God does. We'll enroll them in tripod school for the deaf. And that was in, I think, February of 1995. So Nathan was about 10 months old. And they made that kind of life decision. Uh, Zach is a disciple. He's married a disciple. He finished his master's degree and now works for the National Center on Deafness at CSUN, uh, Nathan and Ashley just graduated. They just got married and are now going to be leading our campus ministry here. So the, the family is doing awesome. So that was the intro. Nathan shared some amazing things about his dad. And then he said, some people have to start their own legacy. He goes, Dad, thanks to you, I don't need to start a legacy I just continue the one that you started. You know, God has a legacy that we don't need to start. But God wants us to continue. You know, I don't know what your family's like. I know what your upbringing's like. I don't know whether you view yourself as one that needs to start a new legacy Or continue an excellent one that's come before you. You know, I feel blessed and an amazing dad. Passed away almost five years ago from cancer. I miss him. He was an amazing dad. You know, it's not hard to think of continuing my father's legacy. 
We don't have just a physical legacy. We have a spiritual one. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the Bible says this in verse 18. It says, And we all who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It says we have a legacy that we reflect the Lord's glory. We're being transformed into his likeness. Last weekend, I was talking to a friend of mine. I did not know he was adopted. And maybe you've heard of, you know, 23andMe, and you submit your you know, a DNA sample, and then it spits out all this information about your background. But he was adopted. He never met his parents. He's lived a very full life, but he just decided to do this. And he, and he checked the box that said, yes, I'm willing to be contacted. Well, he got his report back from 23andMe, and there was a little paragraph that said, we found a man, and you have a... 49% DNA match with, we believe he's your father. Would you like to contact him? And he sent back a message and said, yes, absolutely. And over the last year, he was able to meet his biological dad. He was able to connect with him and now has an ongoing friendship and relationship with his biological father. You know, it's pretty amazing how the DNA allows you to connect so you can find relatives. You know, spiritually, it's really the same way. There's spiritual DNA connections where we should resemble our heritage. And that's the legacy that the Bible's talking about. It says we reflect the Lord's glory and, and we're transformed into his likeness. That when people see us, they go, oh, I get it. You're a Christian. You remind me of the Father in heaven. You remind me of Jesus. It's in your DNA. I see the resemblance. There's a genetic match. You see, God has a legacy that's Come all the way down from Adam and Eve. And each one of us is a part of the legacy. The question is not, are you a part of the legacy? The question for us is, will you continue the legacy? Got two points for you today. Share the secret. Turn over to Matthew 13. Jesus gave his disciples insider information. Sometimes he communicated with the public in a different way, and then the disciples would be like, hey, give us an inside scoop. We didn't realize kind of what was going on here. And the disciples got some special teaching. Well, this is one of those stories. In Matthew 13, verse 1, it says, the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake, such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, 
a farmer went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. When the sun came up, the plants were scorched. They withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. And they've closed their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. It's a parable many of us are familiar with, the parable of the sower. And it talks about the seed is the word of God. And that word of God is planted. And Jesus gives four different kinds of soil, four different heart responses. He said, it may fall on the path. The path is hard and trampled, and the seed just sits on the surface. It never gets down to the heart. It never gets in on the inside. You can attend church week after week after week. You can even read your Bible every day. And yet the seed of God's Word can just stay on the surface and never get down into the heart. Satan is trying hard to distract you. To snatch what is sown away. The last thing Satan wants is for the word of God to change your life. He even hopes that maybe you'll have questions but never get them uh, answered. That you'll leave a little foggy. You go, huh, that's curious. And just walk out the door with the questions remaining. 
It talks about seed on the rocky soil. And that's the quick emotional response. This is what I want. This is amazing. But at first sign of trouble or persecution, they quickly fall away. It says, because of the word. There is trouble that you will live through because you make a commitment to live according to the word of God. It is not easy. It is never convenient. It does not comfortably fit in any schedule. It's totally different than the priorities that the world have to offer. We live for different things. Not everyone in your sphere of influence is going to love and respect that type of commitment. But what do you do when there's opposition? Well, if you have no root, you quickly fall away. That you're only successful when life is always good. It's shallow soil. It's just an emotional response. There's no root. Jesus says there's a third soil. That's the thorny soil. The thorny soil, the word takes root. But the problem is there's weeds. And the weeds choke out all the nutrients present in the word of God. The truth of God's words there. But it never nourishes your soul because the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it out, making it unfruitful. This is one of those passages, if, if you wonder, is, is the Bible still relevant after 2,000 years? Well, what do you think? Jesus says, what chokes out a fruitful response? The worries of life and deceitfulness of wealth. Yeah, it sounds a lot like our challenges, right? But the thing about thorns that choke out the Word of God is it's a process that happens slowly over time. We reach a point where we lack conviction, we lack fire. Maybe we say, you know what, I'm just bored. It's not interesting anymore. Yeah, you're getting fully choked. This is the worries of life. What do we worry about? We worry about our health. We worry about our children. We worry about our children's happiness. Our finances. Our jobs. Our relationships. We worry about a lot of things. Hopefully you're not worrying about the World Cup scores right now on your phone. We worry about a lot of things. God does not validate our worries and go, you are so wise that you have given proper consideration to all these topics in a way that has consumed your emotional and spiritual energy. That's not what the scriptures say. It's like, no, it's choked out the word of God. Like, we need to let this hear our heart if we're in that category. I want to pray, but my mind's so distracted. By what? The worries of life. The deceitfulness of wealth. If I have more money, if I have a better job, I will be happy. I've studied the Bible with a few millionaires. Not many, but a few. 
And it's not what you think. Because you know what you think? If I had what they have, I would be so happy. And i got to tell you, by and large, the most unhappy, unfulfilled people I've studied the Bible with are the most wealthy that I have come across. Not always true. But when you don't have it, you actually think that's the solution to your problems. Now, God's word is the solution to our problems. Okay? Jesus is dealing with the heart. And then he talks about the good soil. And that's where that seed gets in. And it produces a crop. Sometimes we want the word of God, but we don't want any expectations. Oh, Jesus says that, that the good soil actually produces something. There's evidence that the seed accomplished something. There's a, a legacy that's accomplished. These are the heart. Now, I want you to pause for a moment. With If you didn't go back and read that and go, okay, what's the secret? Jesus says, hey, the knowledge of the secret has been given to you. You've read it probably a hundred times. You know, often what we walk away from this passage, the secret of forgiveness of sins. That's not what Jesus said. He said, no, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. Jesus says, no, it's, it's all about the kingdom of God. You go, what about my forgiveness of sins? Our personal reconciliation is just the very starting point of what the kingdom of God means for our life. But to try and look at our salvation is somehow that's the whole secret. No, 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 no. Your salvation is great. But compared to the kingdom of God, your salvation is this. Jesus, the kingdom of God is this. The kingdom of God is that God's realm and his reign and his lifestyle are here and present. And we don't have to wait till we die to live in it and enjoy it. Now, when you get your sins forgiven, like Nicole's going to do tonight... She gets to go make a decision to live in the kingdom of God. And that's the message that Jesus says, hey, guys, you know what you understand that they don't get? Is the kingdom of God. That life is different. The parameters are different. The values are different. Oh, yeah, your reconciliation, your salvation, that's entrance into God's glorious kingdom. But we don't have to wait to experience it. You see, and this is where the legacy comes in. Because when you live as someone in the kingdom of God, life is different. There's certain things that you do and don't do because you're in the kingdom of God. And Jesus was trying hard to make sure his disciples knew about the kingdom. He said, you know what? It's actually possible to hear, but not hear. And see, and not see. 
So if we're going to continue the legacy, we've got to be those that share the secret. The secret of what? The kingdom of God. It's so much more than going to church and praying and reading your Bible and getting your sins forgiven. That's all good and important. But we're talking about God's reign is here. And we get a chance to be a part of it. Isn't that amazing? So Jesus is trying to get us locked in on that. Now, so you've got to share the secret of the kingdom. Then the second thing you've got to do is uphold the kingdom. It's Father's Day, so I figured a good Braveheart picture would be awesome. And uh, we're going to spend the rest of our time over in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Corinthians chapter 4. The Corinthian church had a lot of problems. And they actually were getting really prideful with Paul. Uh, He actually had critics saying, oh yeah, you know, he's really bold when he writes letters, but when he's in person, he's kind of wimpy and he's not that big a deal, you know. And Paul writes him this letter to really try and correct their behavior and call them to repentance and he says in chapter 4 starting in verse 14 he says i'm writing this not to shame you but to warn you as my dear children even if you had ten thousand guardians in christ you do not have many fathers for in christ jesus i became your father through the gospel therefore i urge you to imitate me For this reason, I've sent you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere and every church. Now, Paul says something kind of cool there to the church. He says, in Christ, I became your father. So you can have a child and you become a father that way. You can adopt a child and you become a father that way. Spiritually, you can directly help somebody become a disciple and so you become a spiritual father that way. Or you can adopt many people in the congregation spiritually and become a father that way. You know, when when Cheryl and I were talking about, hey, how many kids do we want to have? I said two. She said, well, three would be fine. And then we talked. And we landed on two. Reason being, we've adopted many, 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 many other children too, right? And we love it. We love our sons. We love our daughter. We love our adopted kids, too. Uh, Watching Grayson and Ivy get married. Watching Ash and Katie get married. uh, Watching Nathan and Ashley get married. You know what? I felt like a dad at those weddings. I, I felt like a proud dad. I was just like, Watching, going, this is awesome. This is amazing. You know, when you see people that you're close to do great things, don't you feel that 
parental pride? Like, that's a good thing. But we ought to be that in each other's lives. You know, Paul said, hey, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm warning you. You know, that's a very fatherly thing to do. As a father, you know, you got to know the balance. You're not trying to pick every battle. You know, one of, one of my challenges is, you know, when the kids needed, maybe not wanted a little input, what level of input do you give? Because if you're like me, you know, one of the things that I would imagine is whatever the small issue was that we were talking about, if this goes on unchecked for 40 years, what will this look like? What will this mean for their wife? What will this mean for their boss? What will this mean for their kids? What You know, and so you're imagining, you know, the exponential growth of whatever this thing is. So you're giving the 40-year speech to a teenager. Yeah, you already know how that goes over. But as a dad, you just, you want to help, right? You don't just sit there and go, well, who cares? Now, kids will always say, Dad, you don't need to worry. We'll be fine. I'm like, yeah, one day you're going to have kids, and then we'll see if that works with you. It's a, you, you don't. You don't turn your heart off. You always care, right? And that was Paul. It's like, man, I love you guys. I became your father in Christ, and I'm trying to help change you. Do you warn when needed? I would like to address a topic for a moment that's really popular. And here's the phrase. Be a safe place. Now, let me tell you biblically what a safe place is. It's Ephesians 4, verse 15. Speaking the truth in love. What's a safe place? Where I can sin and not be challenged? Is that a safe place? Oh, you're just a really good listener. I have a question for you. You know, it's good to listen. And there's times where that's kind of what we need. We don't necessarily need something fixed. On the other hand, I got a question for you. Do conversations with you lead to greater godliness or not? You see, Jesus spoke the truth in love. He spoke the truth without condemnation, but he still told the woman caught in adultery, go now and leave your life of sin. The man born blind, he healed him. Then later he tracked him down and he said, stop sinning or something worse is going to happen to you. Jesus was full of mercy and he was full of grace. But we need to be fathers in the faith to the people around us. We should not have sin truces. What's a sin truce? Well, I won't challenge you about what I know is going on in your life. Because I don't want you to challenge me about what's going on in my life. No, we need to care and love deeply that we're willing to speak the truth in love. Paul said, hey, I'm not trying to shame you. 
But I want to warn you as dear children. Because Paul cared about the direction of their life. You know, he says something interesting. He said, I became your father. And he goes, therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Now, I learned a new word this week. It's up there. Be imitable. And I learned this week that imitatable, which I've used for like three decades, is not a word. Who knew? I thought it was. Not a word. It got the squiggly line under it. And I was like, what do, you, what do you mean? Why is imitatable not recognized? Everyone knows that that's a word. Did a little research. Imitable. Worthy of imitation. Having many qualities to imitate. Imitatable, not in the word. Not, not in the dictionary. Neither is irregardless for that matter. Okay. Just throw that in for free. So, what? It's not a word? No, it's just regardless. Okay? Regardless. Threw that in for free. It wasn't even in the notes. Paul said, I became your father, therefore imitate me. It was fun on Friday night with with Hunter. And like an hour later, I'd hold him and look at him and he'd go. And I talked to Michael the next day at the wedding and I go, Michael, I go, did Hunter, what did he do? And he goes, yeah, I would hold him and he'd look at me and go. You know what? Little kids are, they, they imitate. They watch, they see, and then they do it. I got a question. Do you have any problem calling somebody who knows you to imitate your spiritual life? Yeah, I think uh, I give all of us the benefit of the doubts. I don't think we're hypocrites. So what that means is if you don't feel good about your example... I believe you probably would be afraid to call somebody to follow your example. Paul was not perfect, but he had no problem to say, I urge you to imitate me. And then a pretty cool thing. He goes, therefore, I'm going to send you Timothy, my son of the faith. I want you to imitate me, so I'm going to send Timothy to you. Because I can't get there right now, but I'm going to send you the next best thing. Do you imitate others? You know, parents, we know, right, that our behavior is being imitated by the young ones that are our children. And sometimes we go, no, 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 I want you to follow what I say, not what I do. But we know that never happens. Our life is a sermon. And maybe you've been frustrated. You're trying to help somebody. You go, they're not responding to me. I got a question. What model are they witnessing in your life? Maybe they actually are imitating. Listen, we ought to have the lives 
Not when we're like, I am so perfect. Imitate my sinlessness. On the other hand, our Christianity should be a lifestyle that we do not have a problem telling somebody, hey, follow me. Do what I do. Live the way I live. Why? Because we're passing on the legacy. Remember where we started? We with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. We're being transformed into his likeness. If we are, and we go that passage is true for us, then why would we hesitate to say, hey, follow, imitate, watch. I've learned so much about the Christian life by simply imitating people who are really good at something. And for whatever reason, that was easier to do than it was just to look at the scriptures and put those into practice. I don't know, it's because you see a, a living, breathing example. And so you could learn, you know, here's what it means to be warm and loving in the fellowship. Okay, do that. You know, here's what it means to serve. Here's what it means to care. Here's a way to repent when you mess up. You know, we have a whole host of examples. You know what? We have, we have a room full of God's reflection. So what are we doing with it? God's calling each one of us to be continuers of his legacy. The gospel is never meant to stop with us. Now, we're just part of the chain. We're just part of the family tree that goes all the way back up to Adam and Eve. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? We're all related. It's incredible. You see, on Father's Day, what, whose legacy is it about? Oh, it's about our Father in Heaven. It's about His kingdom of Heaven. What? What are we going to do? Well, you got to share that secret. But then you got to be a defender. You got to uphold the kingdom. You continue the legacy. I got a question. Can you do, can you fulfill the responsibilities that the person who mentors you is able to do? What's that mean? Well, it's like in the working world. Can you do the job your boss does? Because, see, that ought to be our goal, right? Because we're growing, we're learning, we want to be able to do what the person who comes before us has done. So if they can help five people, I want to be able to learn to grow to help five people. If they can help ten people, I want to learn to help to grow ten people. If that person can lead really good Bible studies or can help counsel a marriage, I want to learn to grow so I can lead great Bible studies, that I can learn to counsel and help marriages. I want to learn what you know. Why? Because I want to continue the legacy. You know, there's so many incredible opportunities for the legacy to continue right here. Say, so, but what's, what's it going to look like? Well, you know what? This is a picture that 
remains to be fulfilled by you. So you're the, you're the tall one now. You say, whose hand are you holding? I don't know. Maybe somebody in this room that you adopt. It may be somebody in your neighborhood that you're going to reach out to. It could be somebody that you work with. That you're going to share the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. You say, I don't know who's with you in that picture. I know God's family tree is waiting to be filled out. You know, Ancestry.com for God is really, really big. You're in it. So what will it look like under you? The impact remains to be seen. As Nathan said to his dad, I feel so blessed because some people have to start a legacy. I just need to continue the one that you started. Like Nathan, we can look to our Heavenly Father. And we can say, hey, we don't need to start a legacy. We just need to continue the one that God has accomplished through us. Let's keep this in mind as we celebrate Father's Day. Let's continue the legacy. Let's stand as we close in a final song.